Hello there, and welcome to the podcast, Miss Tweety's Parents. I'm Margaret Dahlberg, and no, we're not going to be talking about my parents. We're going to be talking about the parents that I've gotten to know over the years and have been dying to have some real one-on-one time with to talk about parenting. I've been an early child educator and piano teacher for over 30 years now, but my real passion is talking about communication and being just a better and more effective person in the world in general. And today, uh, I interview a real Wonder Woman, Melba Sito. Melba is not only a successful mom, oh my gosh, she's an entrepreneur, she's a successful influencer, she's an athlete, she is a potter, she is a soap maker, she is a musician, she's been involved in theater and dramatic arts. I'm sure, oh, she's a forager, a mushroom forager. I'm sure I'm missing other things. You definitely need to check out her Instagram profiles because she is truly inspiring. And when it comes to parenting, Melba is someone who has answers. And she has so many answers that she offers parenting workshops. One thing that's so inspiring about Melba is that despite her certainty and her successes, she talks vulnerably about the challenges she experienced and suffered to get there. She had some challenges in her own childhood where she spent a great deal of time in complete isolation. And she was also an EMT, so she witnessed some horrific accidents involving children. It is clear that Melba has been determined to ensure her children would be safe, and she uses some pretty unconventional methods to do so. And hey, these methods work. I got to witness them in action as Melba's five-year-old daughter spent the entire afternoon with us. Anyway, have a listen. Here's my chat with Melba Sito. Hi, Melba. Thanks for being here today. How's it going, Margaret? Nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, uh, it's going great. Thank you. I am excited to talk to you about parenting because, man, uh, parenting is one of those things that uh, if you have kids, you generally have something to say about it. And um, so I'm very much looking forward to getting into it with you. But first, um, I just want to say hi. Thank you for coming. Um, I don't know you very well. Uh, You helped me uh, with um, my social media skills, which was invaluable. You are killing it now, I wanted to say. It looks so good. Like, I know what you're doing now with your social media. Thank you. It's thanks to you. You got me started. (laughs) But you were uh, pointed out to me, or not, one of my friends told me I should follow you. And as soon as I saw it, I could figure out why she thought we should connect because you uh, share my willingness to just get outside and do it. What, whatever's going on, make, make, make use of nature and what we have around us. Does that seem right? Yes, for sure. And like how you can use nature to teach your children very, very important like life skills mm-hmm. and using yeah. what's around you instead of throwing toys and tools and gimmicks at them. Oh you my don't, God, you don't yeah. need anything. You need a stick and a rock. And even then, you just need a stick. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're already into talking yeah. about parenting. And I just want to say, like, but aside from us sharing that, 
boy, oh boy, was I in awe and filled with respect and inspiration by the things you do and have done. And I don't even know where to start because you've done so many things um, and so many bold and courageous things. I think of you as, as such a warrior spirit, but a warrior fighting for good. And... Um, I'm so glad we get to chat today. Oh, you're going to make me cry. I cry a lot in podcasts. So people who know me, um, one of my trademarks for my podcast is, it's called Clothing Optional Podcast, but I cry in like every episode. I'm already crying. Oh, I love like, it. Well, I I'm going to say, so yeah, let, every that's a, episode. that is a perfect segue because I, I, um, as you know, I compose a piece of music for every person that I interview. And so Early this morning, I tuned in and I pulled in the Melba into my world of what I know of you, because that's really all I can go on. And I created this piece of music. And then afterwards, um, I was trying to do a bit of a deeper dive on you just to prepare for this podcast. And I came across your podcast called Clothing Optional, which is an amazing name because <laughs> I think I understand what you're getting at. Um, and I, I watched what you have pinned to the top of your Instagram mm -hmm. page. And I went, oh, my God. So this woman has a vulnerable side. Mm -hmm. so and I was, I was really excited. And then, of course, I did that thing that we do in creative, uh, often in creative endeavors. And I suddenly went, my song is all wrong. I have to redo this. <laughs> Good thing you did some homework. I know. Well, well no, hang on a second. So I, I you know, got myself reset up and I went and I tuned in. And nothing could come. I, I couldn't get anything to come. And I, I mean, I knew that I was going to, um, you know, I only started a little bit of music and I knew it was going to evolve over time. Um, but I stopped myself and I said, no, 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 this heroic, courageous tune you've created is suitable because I, I can't help but think that is your approach to the journey inward and to being vulnerable and to learning more about ourselves so we can do better. Mm -hmm. So I, I kept it as it is. Does, does that fit? No, it does. I think that's the thing that I'm really trying to put across is that there is immense power through vulnerability. And um, I think people always assume you need to show physical and intellectual strength all the time. But the way people connect with you is when they realize the strength was gained through the vulnerability and mm. through the failures, right? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> I, I totally agree with that. And something I want to point out and that I've had to learn to express over the years is when you see someone doing incredibly bold things, that doesn't mean they're not scared shitless. Oh, I'm terrified all the time. Yeah. It means <clears throat> they're willing to be scared and they're finding their courage and they're doing it anyway. And yes. I think that's really important for listeners to hear because in our age of social media, we can look at the Melbas of the world or the Margarets on stage and we just think, oh, everything's so easy for them or they're so good at it and I'm so different. But I don't, I don't think we are all that different. I think some of us are just, um, our response to fear is to, to push through it, whereas other people have a different response well and I think so that is that's the difference I think um what keeps us all the same is we all have that fear we are all terrified but the people who are the ones who can push through it are the ones who end up becoming like the superheroes right mm. but I'm terrified people always tell me I did a team building with um 
employees that I hired. I finally hired staff, so that's a big deal for a small business. <laughs> yeah. And um, and they're like, I'm scared of heights, and I'm like, I am also scared of heights. I I've climbed like crazy mountains, but I I am terrified. And I approach mm. that with everything that I do. I'm like terrified to do this podcast, terrified to get in my car, but the difference is between the people who are the ones who succeed are the ones who still do it in spite of the, yeah. the fear. I've learned to coax myself and be gentle and kind, but say, come on, girl, like you got, you, you have to do this. This yes. is this, this, there's no question. Okay. This song is going to evolve. Westerns are, have, were a big part of my upbringing. Really, really uh, something I, I love and value. And I'm saying that because I listened to this theme and I went, sounds kind of like a, a spaghetti western theme which to me is like means love, that just it. represents my respect for you and i know it's going to evolve and it's going to have some quieter more reflecting moments but anyway here is your tune are you ready i'm already crying you haven't even started I write songs for people all the time, not amazing songs, but no one's ever made mommy a song before. Well, I know, and that's another thing about that's you. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Well, <laughs> what it embodies to me about you is your 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 courage and your your boldness, and that clearly touched you. I see it. There's there, the tears are there. You are feeling like seen. I feel mm -hmm. like there's a part of you that's feeling seen, and um, it's because you you have pushed yourself to go for it and you made it so clear in that podcast moment when you said um i was i was made to do things that i wasn't comfortable doing mm -hmm. but the beautiful thing about the challenges in our upbringings um that were awful at the time is we often end up using them for good yes and you've done so much yes. good, not just for yourself, but for your community. Well, that's the choice, right? Is like you can choose to let those negative experiences or I hate using the word trauma, but it's it's kind of people understand that word. But using um, you can hide behind the trauma and use it as an excuse to not do the things that you're meant to do. Or you can use it to be like, this is how I don't want to be and mm -hmm. use that as as your strength, as your kryptonite. Right. Wow. So, so is, could that be a segue into raising children? Oh, guaranteed. I can segue all day on how to raise children with everything. So, um. yeah, because <laughs> to me, um, my, I, I don't know what your, your kids are a little bit younger than mine, but what I, what, what I, uh, and a lot of my parenting, um, peers dealt with were our kids growing up when, when mental health issues were finally really at the forefront. Mm. But the challenge in dealing with young teens and young people can have that, um, that knowledge can be powerful, but it can also be um, challenging because uh, teaching our young children, you can feel bad, you can not want to do something, you can be anxious, but you still got to keep going. Mm -hmm. So... One of the things I always use an excuse, uh, not an excuse, but as an example in terms of how I raise my kids. And I really hope 
people take this as something to reflect on and think about how am I doing it and how could I be doing it? So one of the things that, um, especially as women, we think when children are crying and women are crying, this is the time to call it quits. This is when, this is too hard. We are crying. It's done. Kids are crying. Let's go home. Pack up and go home. And mm. that is the go-to. And that is like 99% of the parents I see in the world is when the kids are frustrated, when they're crying, when a female is crying, when anyone's crying, we pack up and we go. And so with my, my daughter, she's five years old. I started teaching her, like she's been exposed to rock climbing and stuff for a long time. But in the climbing gym, one of the things we do is we go to the climbing gym and they climb and I don't push them, but I do want to expose them. So um, about two years ago when she first started climbing in the gym, she's climbing and she's crying. And my spouse, his go-to is, we're going home. You're coming down. We're going home because it's uncomfortable. She's crying. People are looking. And he lowers her from the climbing wall. And she starts crying more. And most people would say, this is the sign that we need to pack up and go. And I stopped him and I said, and I looked at her. She's three and she's very intelligent. And I said, um, do you want to go home? And this is where most people fail. They, for, they don't ask their child. I say, do you want to go home? And she's crying. She says, no. And I go, okay, do you want to keep climbing? And she says, yes. And she's crying. And she's like, yes. And so I looked at him and I said, wow. just because she's crying, it doesn't mean she wants to stop. Because I've raised them to be like, it's okay to cry. It's not okay to whine. There's no, I can't stand <laughs> whining. But it's okay to cry. It's okay to cry because I am often in that situation where I'm crying. And it's took, you know, decades to, to really train myself to recognize just because I'm crying, it doesn't mean it's time to pack it up. Mm. It means it's time to ask questions. And oftentimes I ask myself, am I crying because I want to give up? Or am I crying because it's hard and it's frustrating? Yeah. And so I apply this to my child. And she was like, no, I want to keep climbing. I'm just really overwhelmed physically and emotionally. And so now I know with my spouse, he knows if she's crying, you have to ask her, do you want to stop? Do you want to come down? And if she says yes, then we lower her down. But if she says no, then we let her cry and climb. <laughs> cry. I love it. You know, <laughs> boy, that, that makes me think of so many things. But, you know, I, I have this theory that crying is emotional clearing. Yes. And we should treat it exactly the way we treat clearing our systems. So when we feel like we need to use the toilet, what do we do? We remove ourselves we privately do what we need to do, mm -hmm. and then we come back and we feel better. Mm -hmm. I swear, if people cried every time they felt like they needed to cry and they really honored that the way we honor our bowels, I honestly think the world would be a better place. We would literally be more productive. We yes. would. Because instead of like um, letting that kind of fester and become something crazy, you let it vent out and continue on stronger than ever. But mm -hmm. a lot of times, culturally, we're told to... Um, if you cry, you're done. Yeah. And you're like, no, I have more in me. Well, I found, <laughs> I remember when my kids were really little, I did not practice what you are preaching when they were little because you know, I was definitely less self-aware at the time, but I would, because I'm, I'm a performer, I tend to be worried about how I'm appearing to others. Correct. So now I'm a newer <clears throat> mom. I'm in my early thirties. When my children would cry, I would freeze I, and I'd, and I'd feel unable to make a decision and and move through yes to find find the solution i love uh, we, we just got right into it so in lines of your own life experiences you know the question i'm asking is if 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 you went back and 
were giving childless Melba advice based on, not, not based on um, your successes, more based on the challenges you've experienced, what, what would you say? So my biggest thing that um, when I do, you know, mentor parents and stuff about um, child rearing is that figure out what your ultimate end goal is, whatever it is that you're doing. So, and um, let's say for me, my end goal was I never want my child to get hit by a car. That is my end goal. I never fly by the seat of my pants because that is, that is something that I think if you want to be a parent, you need to have some rules in place. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's always safety. So figure out what your end goal is and then work your way backwards to how to get there. And how I started was how do I teach my kids to not be behind the car was I need to teach them to listen to me. So Mm -hmm. I've been a lifeguard for a long time and teaching first aid. And whenever we go to the pool, because I have people always asking me how to teach their kids how to swim, because both of my kids were um, able to be immersed in water by the time they were just weeks old. And so every time we go to the pool, even now, I will make them stand, wait, and watch me get in and wait until I say, you can come in now. And they're great swimmers. They cannot come in. And it's very hard because you have to be very, very disciplined. But my end goal for water safety is I never want my child to drown. So this is the rule is to teach them how to be disciplined. And it could be something as simple as I'll put a paper clip on the ground when she was a baby or something. And I'd be like, don't touch the paper clip. <laughs> and if she touched it, I'd be like, no. <laughs> and then don't touch the paper clip. And I would sit there for like an hour and I would teach her, don't touch the paper clip. And until I could trust her and I would move away farther and farther and I would like, just like Caesar Milan, for those of you who know, I, I literally trained my children to be disciplined like, like puppies. Um, every time she got close to touching the paper lip, I would go, no, no. And if she did touch the paper clip, I would flick her. And this is a baby. (laughs) People are going to be appalled by this, but people who are on the same page as us will be like, once again, Melba's motivation is I do not want my kids to drown. I do not want them to get hit by a car. And I worked all the way backwards to a paper clip, right? It sounds ridiculous, but when you think about it until she was able to learn that her not touching the paper clip was so important to me. And I could literally leave a paper clip on the floor and she could play around the whole house and get to a point where she would never touch the paper, paper clip. I knew I could teach her anything. Okay. From, so, right. So what you're getting at is you taught your daughter by using the paper clip was the model for listen to mom. Listen like to if me. mother yes. says, tell you not to do something, you don't do it. You said you became very mindful when you were 12, 13, 14. You, that seems very unique to me. So you had definitely a unique footprint that brought you to that place. What inspired you? So at a very young age, like I grew up with um, a stepmother who had like bi- borderline bipolar disorder Ooh, and wow. she was manic as well. So we had, um, my house had to constantly be silent. And if there was any noise, like it was just crazy. She would come into our room at three in the morning, my brother and I, flick the lights on and off, yell at us and then leave. And oh we would be chilling. It was like crazy. And she would do things like, your, fa- your father's wrong. Tell him he's wrong. And we had no idea what was happening. She'd come in at three in the morning yelling at us. And we would be sitting there as children, as young as five years old, um, telling our father he was stupid, telling our father he was wrong and she was right. So it was wild. Um, and oh we were just goodness. terrified, terrified, terrified. 
And so I learned, like, from a young age, I was, um, you know, cooking and cleaning and taking care of the family. Like, I was making full meals by the time, like, I was 11 or 12. Um, I was grounded a lot because of my mother's illness, mental health illness. And so I spent a lot of time by myself, which people might think, like, oh, so sad. And I'm like, actually, this was the best because it was a privilege to talk to her. It was a privilege to socialize with her. So when she grounded me, I didn't have to talk to her. I just had to hang out in my room by myself. Oh, wow. And she would literally ground me for months at a time. The longest I was grounded for was for six months. Six months? Yeah, six months. And it's oh not like God. it's not like being grounded where um, you can still watch TV and play with your friends. It was the kind of grounded where I couldn't make eye contact with anybody. Um, I had to stay in my room if I wasn't in school or eating meals. And if I was eating meals, I couldn't be facing the television because we usually sometimes we had TV on. And, um, and wow, I would, so she took everything away. Took everything, everything, except for what was in my room, which I had, I taught myself how to knit and, and sew and crochet at the age of five through pictures because I didn't understand the abbreviations. I taught myself how to make candles all in my room with a lamp wow. melting wax with a lamp for hours. I would literally put my lamp as close as I could to a container of old candle wax. And it would take like three or four hours because it's not as hot as like a torch to melt the wax. And I would just watch it and it would melt. And so I learned how to make candles in my room at the age of like eight, you know? So, wow. and it's... so I had that experience, like life, a lifetime of experience by the time I was 11 or 12 to be like, how would I raise my child? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I mean, that, that really explains why you are just someone who, who works with their hands, creates things. You. you know, that was your, that was your salvage when you were young. That's, that's what saved you. Definitely. Uh, from what could have been, you know, a terrible time. And so, yeah, through that experience as a child growing up, um, and also, you know, having mentors along the way, because I was in the Royal Canadian Air Cadets, and so I learned a lot about leadership, discipline, being a follower, and communication, and that changed my life. It totally did. Um, so one of the hugest, like, most important things I really work with, as you can see, is um, communication with my children. So I always thought growing up, um, and I've always wanted children because I was like, I don't want my children to have the childhood I had. But I always thought children under three were stupid. I know it's a terrible word, but I, that's what I thought. Because this right. girl got hit by a car. She went behind a car. Like, that's crazy. I've heard so many things about what EMTs have, have yeah. end up it's witnessing because they're the first responders. We don't realize what they what they see. And obviously, um, that that molded your entire parenting Based on three-year-olds. Yeah, Concept. based on three-year-olds. Based on seeing a three-year-old that may die or, or be yeah. brain injured because she was behind a trailer and, you know, you, you made a decision, I never want to see my child in that place. And it, it cal like these experiences calibrated to me what the intelligence level is of children. So being a lifeguard, I was like, oh, children dying in bathtubs at one years old, three years old, five years old. So I always thought babies are going to drown by the time they're five. And I would work backwards to how do I not get there, right? And as I raised my children, I learned a lot of these are parenting error. And you know, it's hard because we're taught in this culture now to be like, you can't blame the parents. It's not their fault. And I'm like, I'm not trying to blame them, but I'm saying we have, there is possibility for this to never happen. And people were like, yeah. wait, you just have one kid. You're lucky. I'm like, fine, I will do two. I will have two children. They are both very good at listening. 
they're both okay to be around, um, you know, like kitchen knives. They will not go on the road. They hold my hand and um, they sit and wait. I will do laps in a pool and they will sit. A three-year-old and a five-year-old, and I've started this years ago. So imagine a two-year-old and a four-year-old, a one-year-old and a three-year-old. I would do laps in a pool and they would sit until I said it was time for them to go swimming. Wow. And it's not because they're um, incredibly special or whatever. I was lucky. It's not luck. Never ever say if good parenting is luck. It's because it was hard work. And it was for me making them wait for a paperclip, right? Discipline. And um, so all these things, I, I want to inspire people. It's possible. Like both my children were learning sign language right at birth. So we were able to communicate. And back to the temper tantrum thing. I assumed all children have temper tantrums. The average child that grows up like a normal child, you know, my kids are not savants or anything. It is possible for them not to have temper tantrums ever. They've never had a temper tantrum. Mm. And it's because of communication. So I taught them sign language, American Sign Language, right when they were born. And so we've always been able to communicate. And it's because we don't baby talk. I talk to her like an adult, like you do with your like your students. Yes. I don't baby talk. Those, you know, I still call them my babies and I love them so much. Um, but I use adult words, adult vocabulary, um, and we sign together. And they've always been able to tell me, like we were at the dentist the other day and um, people, and I've worked, as, I've been a hygienist for over a decade um, as my profession. And the dentist, you know, they always think like children misinterpret pain. They think it's painful. And I'm like, my, when my child says it hurts, I know it hurts. And I'd ha it took me a few moments to convince the dentist, the lovely dentist, but he was thinking she's just stressed out. I'm like, no, no, she knows what it means to be stressed out. But when we sprayed air on her, just like an adult, if I spray air on an open nerve and you respond immediately, it is a pain response. Yeah. It is not a fear response. Yeah. Fear response is if you did nothing and you're screaming. Yes. But she had a pain response. And so I said, we need to stop and I need to ask her. And so I talked to her. I said, what is hurting? And she's able at five years old at a dental office communicate. It is the air on my tooth that is hurting. If you can teach your child to communicate, it is the most powerful thing ever. Mm. Because now it's not just we need to pack up and leave. We can now talk to them and say, no, I'm crying because, you know, I'm, I just can't help it. But I want to climb. I want to keep playing. It, I'm, I don't want to go home. I'm having fun. It just doesn't look like I'm having fun because we recognize the stress and the crying is not fun. Right. right? Yeah. And this poor dentist, even afterwards, um, and, you know, another learning kind of experience, he was like so upset with himself because he's like, I'm hurting her. I'm so upset. I'm like, she's fine because she knows it was going to hurt. And, and he's like, but I've hurt her. She's traumatized. And I'm like, no, no, because you are traumatized. You think she's traumatized, but she's not. Because I talked to her after, and I'm like, does your tooth feel better now? Because she was the one who told me her tooth wasn't happy. It was uncomfortable. It hurt. And I said, we need to go to the dentist. And she's like, yeah, it's going to hurt a little bit, but it'll feel better after. I'm like, correct. And afterwards, I followed up, and I said, does your tooth feel better now? She's like, yes. And I'm like, and you know we have to go back one more time to fix another tooth. And she's like, yes. And it's going to hurt, and I'm going to cry, but it's going to feel better after. Mm. And I'm not most parents would be like, we're not going back ever. Like it was hard on me. Cause it's hard to watch our kids. I am not soulless. Like the yes. inside of me was like, I was texting my spouse and I'm like, you are bringing her next time. Like, this is so hard. But the whole time I'm like, you got this baby girl inside. I was dying. Mm. And where the strength comes out, is not transferring that energy to my child because that's where that trauma is. I love that. Imprinted. I love that because 
I mean, <laughs> no surprises that you, you know, again, you, you have such a warrior spirit. You're very thoughtful. You're very, um, um, uh, I can't, regimented. I can't think of the word because these are all opposites of, of things that I am. Um, but I love that you just went there and you said, okay. You have a lot of incredible answers. And what you've just touched upon, which I think is really important, is how hard. Just, oh be- God, so just hard. because oh my God. you have the answers <laughs> and you're doing these things doesn't mean it's easy. It's like, you know, that follow through, which I think I think the two great challenges. Well, there are many, but two great challenges for parents nowadays is follow through. Yes. Follow and the, through. But the other thing I think is seeing our children upset or suffer, which we've already discussed. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for us acknowledging, okay, it's going to be really hard if I follow through. Like if I've told my child, this is going to be the consequence, mm-hmm. uh, no movie tonight. You better not put that movie on Margaret. Yeah. You better you not don't put the movie on, <laughs> even though you, you wanted to watch it, even mm-hmm. though it means now you have to entertain the child or, or deal with the fact that the child doesn't have, I, I like that you're going now to that more, you know, this vulnerable place of how hard it is, how hard it is. Just because we know the best way, we know the answers, we we know what is best for our children doesn't mean it's going to feel good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, like, with all these scenarios that come up now, because I mentally train myself for these things, I, I knew the outcome I wanted was not to pass on the fear and the trauma to my child. Before even death, like, children were even born, I was like, when I take my kids to the... And I, from witnessing, because I've been a hygienist for over a decade is like, how are these parents reacting and what is happening to this child? So I've learned. Parents freak out. They take their kids out. They never come back again. The, the child's freaked out yeah. because the parent's freaking out. So I was like, I will never do this. So in my head, I knew I cannot freak out. I cannot freak out. So I've mentally trained myself. And like, I'm not a monster. Like inside, I am dying. I'm crying. I literally went to my room and I cried after because <laughs> I was like, oh my God, like she was in so much pain. But I knew I was like, I don't want her to associate um, this experience with, I never want to do this again. I hate the dentist. I'm never going because that is not the answer. That is not the yeah. outcome I want. I want her to know it is uncomfortable. This is life. You have to do it so it doesn't get worse. Right. Right. I want to share with our listeners that, uh, Melba's eyes are definitely oh, leaky. I'm always after crying. describing that. <laughs> and, um, I think mm. that these are such important points. <laughs> So on that, I, get, uh, I can give a takeaway for people because um, the whole movie thing, right? Where it's like, if you, as a parent, cannot follow through with the consequence, you can change the consequence. So if you know as a parent, you, can, you know you're going to get suckered in, you're going to show them the movie anyways, then reflect on this and be like, okay, I've failed because every time I said I'm not going to watch a movie, we turned on the movie. Obviously, that, that's not working. So let's change it. Let's say, all right, if you do that, we're... We're only going to watch half the movie. Okay. Make something realistic for you. Yeah. We're only going to watch half the movie or we're only going to watch a show. If you are bad, we're only going to watch a show or we're only going to watch a movie I pick. Yeah. So now you're changing the consequence, but you're following through. Yeah. And it's not so hard on you, right? If you say you're not going to have that chocolate bar and you still give them the chocolate bar, that's a fail. That's a hundred percent fail. So change your consequence that you can follow through with it. Right. And I think like to, to circle back in a way, what you're saying is 
think about this stuff before it happens in it. So maybe, and this doesn't, you know, I'm sitting here going, well, where do you find the time to do all these things, Melba? But I, when I think about it, I could be getting ready for bed and grab my, my notebook and say, okay, what are some, some reasonable consequences? Yes. Realistic. I can follow through. Yeah. That I can follow through and that will impact impact our children Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and then about I wanted to just mention the concept of I want to of trauma and traumatized and you'd mentioned you think the word is overused and I I think it has become over overused or not even overused I think it's misused and I think what people don't realize is hurting someone is not necessarily traumatizing them Mm -mm. from what I understand Trauma is that moment of freeze before you, you act. So if you get punched in the nose and you punch that person back or you yell, scream and run away, you're not traumatized. It's if you're stuck, stuck in that moment. Yep. And so where people are stuck, for instance, um, when they see a child cry, um, they're stuck because they associate crying with um, bad feelings, bad feelings, bad feelings, bad feelings, bad feelings. As opposed to a, an emotional clearing or a release or an expression. I think, boy, if I, I wish I could go back to those days and have that distance, step back, watch them, watch them crying and, and be curious and think what, what exactly is happening here? Because I think we don't always know why our children are upset. Correct. It just, we don't always know why we're upset. That goes back to communication. If you teach them how to communicate, you can understand like 90% of the time why they're upset. 95. It's amazing. It's so amazing. It's crazy because we think it's not possible, but I've like, I literally have treated my life as an experiment because I've wanted to be the best parent I could be crying again. So every time I saw good parental behavior, I thought, how did they get here? And and if every time I saw bad parental behavior, I thought, how do they get here, right? And so it goes back to that communication. And I'm like, the reason why that person got to where they were, why the child is upset and screaming is because there wasn't communication. Mm. And so I work so hard to communicate with my children that um, I wish they were both here right now and something horrible was happening where they were crying and you could see it because <laughs> it's the only way you could be like, that's crazy. Like what just happened? You know, I'll have my child absolutely crying because something happened and I'll be able to talk. He's three years old and he'll be bawling his eyes. And I say, you know, my, 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 like Basha hit me and I'll, I'll be like, you know, our first reaction is like, holy crap, let's go yell at the daughter or whatever. Why? And I sit back and I say, well, what happened? And he's three and he can communicate. We were playing ball and she threw a thing at me and she hit me in the face and we can go through this entire communication of what happened and I can talk to him and say like well did you want to play ball with her and he said yes and I'm like well those sometimes you know she's learning how to throw so it might accidentally hit you you understand that right and he goes like yes because sometimes you might not mean to hit your sister like did she mean to do that on purpose and he goes no and I'm like okay so then did you want to keep playing because if you're going to keep playing it might happen again and Mm. you might get hurt again are you willing to take this risk and he kind of stops crying. And then next thing you know, he's playing again because he was able to communicate. He was able to assess the risks. And I always say, if you don't want to accept the risks of you getting hit. And I, I talk to my children like this. I use the word risks, but I also break it down. Like if you don't want to accept that you might get hurt and you're going to cry after, then don't play. Mm. So I tell them, you can go play. You can do all these things. 
But if you cry, so my consequence is if you cry, you're not allowed to play that anymore. And not cry as in like, you know, it hurts, you can cry. I get that. But like, be be upset. If you're like mad that you were playing this game, you got hit and now you're crying and you're mad. Like, that is not acceptable in my household. So they know, I always, you know, whenever they're doing something maybe considered dangerous, let's say they're climbing something and I say, okay, I catch them. And I'm like, you might fall and hit your head and that's going to hurt. If you don't want to, do that and hit your head and cry, um, then you need to stop. But if you're okay knowing you might hit your head, then don't cry. Like you better not cry. And then nine, like hundred percent of the time. <laughs> I love it. And I it's so it. funny because like hundred percent of the time they'll keep playing and I'll watch them and I'll hear a thump and a bump and they'll fall. But and there's no silence well, because they're like, they're like, I want to keep playing this. But if I cry, mommy's going to not let me play anymore. Cause she warned me that if right. you're going to make a big, like, be upset about this, then why are you continuing to do it? So they usually Right. And I want to, like, before the alarm bells are going off for people, what I, what I want to stress is that you're teaching them the, the really important parenting tool of when you do this, then this happens. Cause and effect. Yes. So sure. And you chose your own cause and effect. Yes. Not everybody has to agree with it, but you were very clear about and I, I can actually, as a mother of a 19 and a 21 year old, and um, I was the opposite. I was so emotionally smothered as a child. I wanted my children to cry and my children cried a lot. And, and I, I can tell you now, I think I overdid it because I think there's a point where you're right. You kind of have to go, actually, I'm okay. Like, yes. is this yes. really a calibration is, mm-hmm, calibration? And is this a moment? Um, but cause and effect the, when, when we do this, then this happens. And that goes also back to follow through, but it also gives them that ownership. Yeah. And I always give them that option. I'm like, you know, it's kind of like uh, that Simpsons episode where it's like, he kept touching the cupcake and like a lot of parents would just not let their kid touch the cupcake. But for me, I'm like, okay. And the cupcake was electrocuting. Yes. Him. Yeah, okay. For those of you yeah, who are in our important. generation, right? I'm like, <laughs> okay. I'm trying to remember. I was yeah, like, yeah, there was which an episode. I've seen. <laughs> and he just, so this, um, his sister kind of made this um, cupcake electrocute him every time he touched it. He just kept touching it, touching it. So nowadays in our generation, a lot of parents just don't even let them touch this dangerous thing. Don't even let them experience it. But I always go back to like, if it won't kill or maim them, I'm going to keep them safe, but I want to watch and see how they react because we're still, people always get mad when I give them a hot drink. Like you saw, she had, she was pouring fully boiling tea next to us. Mm-hmm. People freak out all the time. Cause they're like, Oh, you're going to burn yourself. And I'm like, will it kill her? You know, like obviously she's been calibrated, but in the beginning when she was younger, I would give her pretty hot, not boiling, but pretty hot tea. And I would let, and I would teach her it's hot, hot, hot. We're signing hot. And then she would touch it and it would hurt. And she'd be like, Oh, and then I would tell her if you drink it again, it's hot, but I wouldn't take it away. Yeah. But I would sit there with her, just like the paperclip, and I'd let her drink it. And eventually, over time and practice, she learned when I said it's hot and it burns, it is now your choice to decide if you want to continue, if it was worth the risk, the cause and yeah. effect, right? It's like our <clears throat> desire to protect our children is so- some, sometimes skewed. And instead of give, giving them tools to deal with the hazards... We just take, we just take the hazards We away. just keep them away from the hazards, or we take them away. So. And so... You know, a lot of people have probably heard, you know, um, prepare, or don't prepare the path for your child, but prepare your child for the path. Oh, I love that. And Ooh. I think about that all the time because one of my really good friends who was a neighbor, they who moved away, um, his partner would definitely prepare the path for their child. So what they did, and um, 
this was something that I'm completely against. She completely bordered her front yard with like um, fencing, plastic fencing, completely bordered it. And I used to try to talk to her and cause she would ask me for advice. Like a lot of, I don't, I try not to give unsolicited advice, but I ask, you know, like, would you like me? Yeah, ask permission. Or, or I'd say like, you know, people always say, I love how your kids are. How did they get this? So that's almost like an invitation to, you know, tell you this is how I did it. So for instance, she completely bordered her yard and, um, and the reason why this is not preparing your child for the future is one day you're going to come to my house. I don't have a fence on my front yard. I just yeah. have a path and a road yeah. and there's cars. One day my children are going to go your house, Margaret, and you don't have a fence. So if there's no fence, I can run wherever I want. How is that protecting our child back to the three-year-old right. getting hit by a car, right? And it does, it also just encourages the ongoing exhaustion of us parents just having to, you know. Live in fear of. Well, and just be over on and on top, constantly on top of our children and not being able to step back and trust that they'll be And okay. then you're living in this anxiety and you're flying by the seat of your parents. Whereas for me, because I've taught her um, the, the rules of, of a knife, the rules of a stove, the rules of a road, she can go to anyone's house right now and I would not I do not have that anxiety that she will cut yeah. herself and stab her and once again if she did cut herself it's not the end of the world but I, I I'm confident in a three-year-old and a five-year-old to go to your house and you can have a knife on the floor a sword on the floor <laughs> and I'm not terrified you can pour it. them a bowl of hot soup and I will not have anxiety to let her go to your house right because I'm pre I've prepared her for the path yeah right I can't I'm not going to go to your house Margaret and like clean your house for you and put away your knives and put away a fence on your... Right, or, or hold your child hold, with you the whole time or have to I not, cannot, yeah, like, not, not participate with the adults because you're busy watching your children. And because of that, like, I, I don't want to live in that anxiety of if she went to your house of like, oh my gosh, what if Margaret's going to kill her? Like, what if she's got a night, like she's got a hot water. She's, uh, uh, how can I be an effective parent if I'm worrying about something I could have just spent two weeks teaching them? Like, we have stairs. You can see there's stairs in my house. And, you know, naturally, I was thinking when we moved here, we need a baby gate. We need it. Everyone has a baby gate. We right. need a baby gate. Yes. And I was like, yeah. we need a baby gate. And then I stopped myself thinking like, what? Or. <laughs> or. And for the first two weeks, every, I just, I was very attentive. So this is where, you know, people don't see this part of me because they see my children crawling around as babies with stairs and they're terrified. But. Before I even let her get to that point, I watched her for two weeks. Every time she got near the stairs, I would like, on your belly, on your belly, on your belly. And I'd turn her, I'd turn her, and then I'd let her crawl down. And if she wasn't on her belly, I'd hiss at her, on your belly, on your belly. Took me two weeks. Every day she got near the stairs, any stairs. And now I don't need a baby gate. Fantastic. But, oh my God. And I, I love, I love your, <laughs> I love your dog whisperer. I am a dog. People I, get so offended. We didn't have but... those when, when, no, I think actually that, that creating a, a universal sound that, that just means mm -hmm. like stop what you're doing is stop such a good idea doing. for children. And you have to, the trick is just like the dog whisperer, you need to do it when the child or the animal is in effect thinking about doing it. So just to give a little bit of background, I um, toilet trained a cat. I oh, toilet wow. trained a chinchilla. Oh, wow. I've toilet trained two children. And that means babies, infants going on command and a cat and a chinchilla. Well, the chinchilla wasn't <laughs> going on command, but the cat would go on demand. You can, you know, find me on Instagram. You'll see my cat and stuff on at how to train my dragon and at Melba underscore Cito. But you'll, if you go back, you know, to my Instagram account, you'd see my babies like going on demand. And, 
And it's because of that, that sound, but you have to do it. The follow through is you have to do it right when they're thinking about it. Yes. Not after. So a lot of my teaching and my parenting and my mindfulness and all myself is, um, based on like Pavlov, Pavlov's dog. It's very Pavlovian. So that's why some people get really upset, but they can get upset as much as they want. My child will never run on the road. They're never going to run with scissors open in their hand, snip it away. Like, well, and what yeah. I love, yeah, and, and I mean, I think it's it's a chance for me to just say everybody needs to find what works for what them. Works for and them. you're so clear that this works for you. And and I think not being worried about what the judgment people people feel towards you is so important. But anyway, um, boy, Melba, you are such uh we've we've all obviously we're at the end here and you also have a number of businesses that are just thriving. So tell us a little bit about that. You are Boness Soapworks and you brought in pottery. Um, so, so what would you like to tell us about that? Um, so essentially when I was working in healthcare and just industries in general, I realized that I wasn't um, being paid for my worth and my value. And all these things that we're talking about right now, because I was posting on my personal accounts at Melba underscore Cito, people kept asking me, like, can you mentor me? Can you tutor me? Can you teach me parenting skills? Can you teach me potty training? Can you teach me foraging? Can you teach me this? And it hit a point where I was like, I can't work my job, which didn't appreciate me, and then come home and spend all my time teaching people, which the things that I loved. Right. And so I'm like, how, that you just naturally do. I just naturally have already been doing it. So I'm like, how do I change and this was my retirement dream was when I stopped working my profession was to teach people all the things so I can also have time for myself and I'm like why wait why do that so I quit my job in um uh, dental hygiene and then I uh started pursuing my adventure soap company and it's not just about soap soap is kind of like the vessel but it's about inspiring people to grow to change and to learn through um, my workshops and so I teach soap making, I teach pottery and the goal is to have this resort where people can come and learn these things from mm. me and so now I don't feel undervalued for my time that's already stretched so so thin um, and to, to be able to give people an opportunity to get to know me and learn my methods but then I also am rewarded for my experience and my and like what I can do. So then now, um, yeah, I have my soap making company, which is kind of the way people first get to know and connect with me. And then through that, as they get to know Melba as the person, they have the opportunity to learn other things, um, like learn more about me through my podcast, um, Clothing Optional Podcast. I just love that name because it's really about, it's it's about exposing yourself, right? It's it is not about, about It's not about being naked when you no. podcast. And so I, uh, <laughs> like one of the titles, uh, um, my, my introduction is always about, you know, it's, it's sometimes almost easier to take off your clothes than it is to take off the things that are hard. You know, like mm. the the person that, um you know, was upset that I, you know, tried to save her child from the road. She's upset that I yelled at her child and I understand that. And it was, it was like that it's easier to almost shed off layers and be naked, you know, especially as women. Sometimes it's easier to sleep with someone than it is to actually talk about what was upsetting for you. Yeah. And that's what clothing optional is. It's, you know, it is optional, all the things that we do and how much we want to share with each other. And so through my adventures, that's kind of what my, my podcast talks about. And then these other avenues are just so people can, who want to really get to know me can kind of find, find their way through, through my, my adventure company. 
Yeah. Well, man, you are so capable and efficient. And I got to say, I spent uh, just under two hours with you and um, it was a game changer for me uh, in my social media presence. So I I just have nothing but um, high recommendations for you and anything you bring to the, the world. And uh, yeah, find her on Instagram, Bonus Soapworks, Soapworks, Bonus Soapworks or uh, Melbacito, right? You yeah. have your own. At underscore Melbacito. And then you can check out www.bonassoapworks.com. And there's a link to my podcast on my website as well. So um, that's one way to get to know me. And if you ever see me, come say hi. Well, Basha has been incredibly patient. For over an hour, she's been entertaining herself. She's hanging out with us right now. Thank you so much, Melba. Thank you for taking the time. You have so many great things here in this um, offering today. And uh, I um, look forward to hearing more from you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It really means a lot that, you know, we were able to spend this time together and get to know each other better. Awesome. Yeah. Take care. Bye. So there you have it. That was straight shooter Melba Sito. And uh, boy, is she a powerhouse. Um, Here's the song I came up with. I think I did hit the nail on the head here. And uh, the Western theme even seemed to make sense. So here is Resilience by Margaret Dahlberg, also known as Melba Sito's song. And you can find it on all the streaming sites. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, I'd love to chat with you. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have the answers. You just have to want to be willing to talk. And if you'd like me to write you your own theme song, I would love to. Reach out and find me on margaretdahlberg.com. Have a great day.